guys. Welcome to In Bed with Dr. Sue. I'm your host, Sue Storm. And on this show, you are treated to my interview with Jay, also known as Sissy Baby Chrissy, and author Christine Kringle. Jay is a twofer. Jay was kind enough to open up his life so that you can see the progression of his fetish. And I actually hesitate to use the word fetish because Sissy Baby Chrissy is such an innate part of who Jay is that it teeters off of the edge of fetish. And then you enter Christine Kringle, ABDL author, born during the quarantine when Jay, like the rest of us, had time to kill and found that he really enjoyed writing Sissy Baby bedtime stories. And now Christine is already an author of three collections of stories for sissy babies to drift off to sleep to. But before we get to my interview with sissy baby Chrissy, I have an announcement to make. If you'll recall, back in the spring, I had said I was going to take some time off to pursue some other forms of media, both for educational purposes and more so for entertainment. Then COVID hit and I just wanted to remain in the same routine of doing shows. But I've decided that 2021 is going to mark a change in how I bring you your kinky education, and it's going to be through books and audios and other entertainment that way as well. I went to college originally to be a fiction writer, and I feel the time has come for me to dive into that from a femdom kink dark thriller point of view. Along with bringing you detailed books on cuckolding, female empowerment, and submissive behavior. The problem is the show takes a huge amount of my time to produce when I'm only one person. I mean, I do everything from writing it to producing it, directing it, editing, marketing, web design, the whole nine yards. That takes time away from other things that I want to do. So I'm going to put in bed on hiatus. I am not dumping the show completely. And if something comes up that I think you need to know about or want to devour, then I will certainly bring that to you. But for now, I'm going to focus on these other ventures that you'll all still benefit from. It's just, like I said, it's a change in media forms, that's all. So I'm excited about it because I have so many ideas that I know you're all going to want to sink your teeth into once I get them completed. So you'll want to hop onto my newsletter so you can be the first to know when each project launches. You can find the link at either inbedwithdrsue.com or thedrsuereview.com or follow me on Twitter at Dr. Sue, spell out the word doctor. Everything will be available on thedrsuereview.com. And when I come back, I'll be bringing you my interview with Sissy Baby Chrissy. A beta is nothing but a useless male, able to give nothing to alphas, but always begs for attention. A sissy is an evolved beta male, who knows their goal is to please Alpha and will do anything to continually reach that goal. A sissy's pleasure only comes from giving pleasure. I'm Amelia Devine, host of the Sissy Whisperer podcast, and I take pathetic beta bitches like you and evolve them into alpha-pleasing sissy princesses. I have everything from MP3s to private training spaces that are perfect for your sissy education. And you could talk to me live. 1-866-MY-SISSY That's 1-866-697-4779 Go to ameliadevine.com where you will find everything you need to become the perfect sissy princess. 
The adult baby diaper lover fetish is often quite misunderstood. Most who look at it from afar think it's based on pedophilia and incest. And I'm not going to say that that element of ABDL isn't out there, but for most folks who indulge in ABDL or being littles or sissy babies, it is about the feeling of being nurtured, of having absolutely no cares or responsibilities. For some, it's a sexual experience, but for many, it isn't. Living in a high-pressure society as we do, is it any wonder that so many want to just revert back to when someone else was taking care of them instead of it being the other way around? When being in mommy's arms was the most heavenly, safe, bliss-filled feeling. And for some diaper lovers, the further release of not even having to worry about making it to the toilet anymore. Some of you may think it's sick, that it's some sort of twisted need to be sexually abused as a child, but nothing could be farther from the truth for many, not all, but many. And one such baby would be my guest, Sissy Baby Chrissy. Chrissy called me years ago, not so much in search of a mommy as to more or less really be able to talk about who she felt she was and to have an outlet to discuss the different aspects of her. Through the years, I have enjoyed speaking with Chrissy and knew that she would be the perfect guest to share her metamorphosis and discovery of who Chrissy really is. This is my interview with Sissy Baby Chrissy. First of all, Jay, thank you very, very much for being with us today. This is a very in-depth sort of an interview, not something frivolous. I really want to be able to go deep inside of who Sissy Baby Chrissy is. So if we start way, way back, so let's go way back in your childhood. When was the first time you became aware of Chrissy being inside of you? Uh, well, again, uh, I, I don't want to be coy about it. it it's, it's difficult because uh, I had inclinations, desires, even as a small child, mm -hmm. to be a baby uh, or be babied. Uh, but at the same time, I, it wasn't, first of all, it was definitely not uh, anything female. That came much later. I discovered that much later. You know, mm -hmm. and I may have always been female, but it's not what I felt uh, as I was sort of trying to feel my way through. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as a child, it was just a matter of having these desires to be baby. And again, I'm going to tell you a quick little story, which is, again, I remember being just basically just out of diapers. And I remember having these fantasies of strong women, almost like Amazons, uh, even though I didn't know what Amazons were. Mm -hmm. And they would capture me and they would drag me back into the nursery where they would force me back into diapers. Uh, and, you know, I would struggle to get out of that. I didn't, you know, I, I obviously did, but I would pretend that I didn't want that. And then I would break free and I would run and run and run. But they would eventually capture me and drag me back in and put me back in diapers. Uh, and again, it was... That's a really early time to be remembering. That's pretty amazing. 
Well, again, like I say, first off, it wasn't just the ones. Uh, but again, it was very intense and very, I have a pretty good imagination, so it was very real in a sense to me. Uh, so again, I would tell you, you know, a sense of needing to be uh, a either be a baby or just be babied existed that far back for me. So it felt different than say, I'm thinking, you know how little kids, we call them babies because they act like big babies and they're crying yeah. and they're just, you know, being big babies. This was diff a different feeling than that, right? Oh, very much so. And uh, again, uh, you know, it, it's different from being a mama's boy. Cause that's what people go, yeah. oh, well, you're just a mama's boy or something. That's yeah. not what this was. No, and again, it was all you know. You know, I was expected to you know uh, grow up and be mature and everything else. I was smart for being a kid, so you know there was a lot of expectation. So you know, I was kind of jerked along rather quickly. So I, it was kind of a, I guess, a rebound effect where you know I, I was kind of missing uh, you know these portions. That's what I was just going to say. So if if there was a lot expected of you as a child and growing up. Do you think that part of this was you trying to hang on to your childhood because you were being whipped through this so quickly? Well, again, and I want to start off by, or at least add at this point, that again, I had a great childhood. Okay, mm -hmm. I, I was in a loving family and I was treated well. I was never abused uh, by a family member, priest, boy scout leader, anybody. Uh, again, I actually I had a very good existence. Uh, but again, I was I was a smart kid and there was an expectation that being a smart kid, you know, I should be doing more advanced things. And again, I, I did. And mm -hmm. you know, I, I did it successfully. But at the same time, yeah, you know, was there maybe it's certainly not on a conscious level, but maybe on a subconscious level, you know, a desire not to sort of be uh, so quickly advanced. Yeah. And that stands to reason. I mean, you're a kid. You want to be a kid. You don't necessarily want to be, you know, a baby genius. Yeah. So, and that's that's a lot of pressure. And it's a it's a pressure. Granted, I know that wasn't done, like you said, in abusive in an abusive way. But the pressure of having to be this little baby genius, if you will, <laughs> had to have added to the that pressure, which is then going to make this child inside of you yearn even more uh, again and i would tell you that yearning is actually an excellent word because that is something that it did exist and I, the older i got the more i realized that you know it just wasn't going to be acceptable for me to to want what i just naturally wanted i mean i remember you know, I, I was always very cautious. I'd never wanted to be seen, like I say, as as the baby. Right. So, you know, I don't, you know again. So around was, your friends and around school and whatever, you're certainly not going to let any of those feelings out. No, no, no. Again, I, I was very buttoned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but again, you know, I still remember, though, again, these back in the day, uh, again, you know, you'd see the diaper truck on the, mm -hmm. uh, on the street making deliveries, and it'd be like, so hold on, stop. For those okay. of you who don't know that, <laughs> since we are in the Wayback Machine right now, there were actually diaper services that would go around and pick up diapers. I realize everyone goes, what's that? 
No, there were, there actually still are, you can actually get diaper services and that's for cloth diapers. They would come and they would pick them up and then clean them and deliver clean ones. And that was just sort of your rotation. So that's what the diaper truck was. Yeah. And again, I mean, this, as you said, I mean, this was in the day where, I mean, the vast majority of babies were kept in cloth diapers. There yeah. were disposables, but those were usually used for like, if you were traveling or something, something like that, because those things were expensive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most families, uh, uh, you know, were, were using cloth diapers and they had, you know, the, some of them uh, who could afford it had diaper services. So again, you know, you'd see the truck on the street and again, you know, that logo just, uh, just driving me crazy. What was the logo? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, well, again, it wasn't, it was just their logo. Again, it w wasn't, you know, out overtly uh, infantile. Again, it was just, mm -hmm. uh, but again, I, I, you know, knew exactly what that truck was. And, you know, it was always sort of the, the fantasy that, you know, oh, I'd jump into the back of the truck and, you know, they, they drive me off to the center or to the uh, factory where of course the factory would be populated exclusively by, you know, beautiful women who would then decide that, I needed to be a baby. Uh, and again, like I say, <laughs> sort of a recurring theme, women turning me into a baby. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or, and again, as and I sort of realized later, maybe releasing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so that's kind of the way, you know, it just was. And, you know, I, I would fight against it because I knew it wasn't the standard. Uh, and, you know, especially as a kid you don't want to stand out you want to no, you want to blend you want to, <laughs> you yeah, want to blend you want to be as chameleon as possible uh and just sort of fit in with everybody else so i knew this wasn't right and to be perfectly honest with you at that time especially as i got a little bit older and i found these desires weren't going away uh you know i, I guess i always sort of thought you know well you know if i get a little bit older you know this will stop but it just never did it would wax and wane um, mm -hmm. But it just, it never went away. And, you know, certainly, you know, when you come during moments of stress, uh, you know what, I would like, tell you, you know, that, when it would wax. In other words, was there, yeah, was there anything you, that would just, cause it to do that? You know, just anything that would uh, remind me of babies. So, mm -hmm. you know, seeing a mother changing a baby, right. smelling baby powder, walking into a nursery, just anything along those lines really just got my motor running. And the thing was, is, but as a child, know, okay, so let's back this up. We haven't sure. moved you into any kind of adolescence yet. As no, a child, when you say get your motor running, it wasn't sexual at that time, right? No, no, absolutely not. There was, uh, to a great degree, a lot of it still isn't. But Would it I mean, not be comfort? Like, is it a comfort? Yeah. Again, and that's, I think that's what it was most. I mean, it was a, a connection to a, a sense of being you know, comforted, loved. And yet you were. This is yeah. what I find fascinating. You were loved. It wasn't like you were lacking. It wasn't like someone withheld anything from you. Nope. You were fine. Oh, absolutely. Again, like I say, <laughs> I, I want to reiterate again, I, I came from a, a very loving family who, you know, like any family, you know, I mean, yeah, we were kids, you know, we, we, we get into tussles, but you know, I mean, again, I, I, I didn't feel neglected or anything else. I mean, far from it. Your mother held you, your mother loved you. She kissed you. She read stories to you. She did all that, right? All of that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but again, it was just, I say it was just this recurring need that would bubble up. 
and certainly if I was in a situation where, you know, there were things around, again, uh, even like I say, even as a, you know, grade schooler, if I was in a, a nursery at a home, uh, you know, I would swipe a diaper and go into the bathroom. Now, again, I knew it wouldn't fit. Uh, and certainly, like I say, the plastic pants, I didn't even, even bother with. Okay, so you're um, going into say so. Give me give me an age range. How old were you when you did that? You know, maybe you know, let, let's just say roughly eight or nine. Yeah. Okay. Like so you're at a friend's house. You find they have a nursery. You go in. You swipe the diaper. The diaper is cloth because that's another yeah. very key thing for you. Oh, the absolutely. diaper is cloth, and you would put it on. I'd go in the bathroom, and again, I you know, I'd position it the best I could, and then actually, I would kind of use my underwear kind of hold it in place mm -hmm. and again it was i guess the best way to say it would kind of trigger uh sort of a a mental change it was a sensation where i could just feel it and it was wonderful and again it was sort of trans transporting you know where i could just really sort of experience i liked the sense of the of the softness of it but most importantly the bulk and again it just it really felt wonderful now of course eventually i knew i had to leave i would take it off uh and then you know just toss it in with the used diapers so you wouldn't but take it home time, no 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 again okay. I, I wasn't going to do anything where you know something was going to blow back <laughs> and right. i'd get okay. caught uh so again you know i would just you know i'd go back in the nursery and just throw it in with the used diapers but so again, when you it, had it on, was it, like I said, was it that feeling of comfort and, and just almost like an ease or something where you would just kind of go, oh, like, just, yeah, oh, I'm yeah, much, where I should be? Yeah, very much so. Again, it was just a sensation of, I don't know how much stress you can have at nine or 10 uh, or eight or nine, but, you know, it was a sensation of relief and just sort of catching, you know, almost like, you know, if you were surfing, catching a wave, you know, you just, you just got it just right. And it just felt so good, so right. But at the same time, I, I knew, you know, it didn't last because I knew it couldn't last. So, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, I'd have to leave. And again, I always felt a little bad about it afterwards. Well, you would, because you're sneaking. No yeah. matter what way you slice it, you're sneaking. Yeah. But that was, uh, that was sort of, you know, how I deal with it. Uh, now, this isn't to say that every time I got into a house that had a nursery, I'd run immediately up there. Again, this was just every so often, you know, I just couldn't hold back any longer. And it was like, okay, you know what? Well, and it's like any addict will tell you, it's like, well, just this one last time and then I'm through. <laughs> yes. I swear to God, I'm not going to steal any more diapers. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I probably knew even then that you know, that wasn't true. So <laughs> you were fooling yourself. Yeah, I was. Okay. So then we move you through. So again, this is people are going to be thinking, well, you know, he took the diaper, he went into the bathroom, put it on and then jerked off. That's not what this was. No, no, no. I was, this was well before puberty. Uh, again, it had nothing to do with sexual feelings or anything else like this. This was more about comfort. Yeah, and, and wanting to feel that sensation of being a baby, being babied. So when you got into adolescence, now we get you into puberty, things start changing. Did the feelings go away because we're so into looking at girls or what happens? 
Uh, a, a little bit again, uh, you know, but you know, I mean, like I say, first off, yeah, you know, the hormones start raging, and yeah, you know, you start looking at the girls, and they're starting to look a lot different than they used to. <laughs> so again, yeah, there was certainly a a sense of yeah, you know, I wanted like every other guy, I wanted to find uh, you know a girl to be with and all that kind of good stuff, but it was still there. It would you know every so often it would kind of tick back it's like you know then you started thinking well you know yeah i mean i'd love to be with a girl but you know i wouldn't mind just having her baby me right having her take me and hold me and feed me and all that kind of good stuff so Mm -hmm. so it was always there running as a thread no matter what you were doing yeah and again almost in parallel there was Mm -hmm. it, it, it would Again, as I said before, it would kind of wax and wane, but yeah, it was it was still there. And again, I, I don't want to make it sound like you know I had this huge horrible struggle to get through my life because I didn't. Again, I for most of the day, uh, most of the time, most of the days, you know, it was just me doing my thing, you know, mm-hmm. like every other guy, and that was fine. I don't want to say there wasn't anything sexual about it because I, I I don't think that that's a hundred percent true. But again, the the goal wasn't sex or sexual relief. Again, it was it always seemed to come back to that same thing where I just wanted this woman to sort of take hold of me and put me back into an infantile state and, mm-hmm. and just baby me. Mm-hmm. It's almost you are almost the absolute definition of infantilism. Because most people just sexualize the diapers and wear it and they want to jerk off in them. And, you know, like that is not you are genuinely this baby because and, it goes back so far. And, and, and that's true. Again, it's, you know, as, as we've talked before, I mean, it's, it's at the core of who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not all that I am. It's not who I am 24 seven. Uh, but it's always there. And again, I'm always aware of it more so now, uh, but I'm always aware of it. So how did you feed it when you got into your teen years? So now you're getting in, you know, you're obviously dating girls and you're doing, you know, you're still going to school and you still got all this pressure. How are you feeding that need? Again, it was a difficult time. Again, the, the best I could really manage at that point, just because I say, as I'm getting older, so is everybody else. So, you know, nurseries are changed into bedrooms and the diapers mm-hmm. are all gone. So the most effective means I found was, and this is going to sound kind of stupid, but I would put on about 10 pairs of underwear all at the same time. Just to feel the bulk. Just to feel that bulk. Right. And again, that had an effect. And, you know, I liked it. There was very little that I could do to it, to, as you said, to feed it. I, I was, I was not bold enough to go out and buy things, you know, like bottles or anything else like that. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. As I got a little bit older, I did at one point buy uh, adult diapers. Mm-hmm. That didn't go well, though. Uh, I mean, I, I just didn't really sort of care for the feel of them. And well, they wouldn't so, have had the bulk. Yeah. That's the thing, because the whole basis of adult diapers is to make them as thin as you possibly can. Yeah. So 
you wouldn't have had that same feeling. Plus, it's another disposable. It was not a cloth. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't have smelled like baby powder. Yeah. It would have been missing a whole bunch of elements that would not have worked for you. And again, you know, it was it was an attempt, but, you know, again, not what I would consider to be, you know, a a good attempt. So that went by the boards. So Plus, when did you find Chrissy? As I got off to college, actually, I tell you, the first time I ever, you know, because I always felt this was kind of a just a me thing. Mm -hmm. But I got off to college and like any good college boy, uh, I started reading Penthouse Forum. Which, again, you know, there was always something about, uh, you know, the, the submissive male stories in there that I always found fascinating. Mm -hmm. But I remember on one of these forums uh, at the back, there was a review of a movie. Uh -huh. And the movie was about adult baby girls, actual females, you know, dressing up as baby. And I went, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else actually does this. Again, I mean, I, I probably read that that article about oh, I don't know, fifty times. Mm -hmm. And one of the things the guy writing it, or maybe it was a girl, I can't even remember anymore. But whoever wrote the article put down that there was a company that supplied these kind of things to people. And again, it's no longer around. It was called Carolyn's Kids. She unfortunately died, but she had a thing where she would sell all the the diapers, again, still, unfortunately, the disposables. But she had pacifiers and outfits and everything. And it was just like, holy mackerel, I have found Nirvana. <laughs> so, you know, I sent off. And I remember the first thing, first time she shipped me something. It was, I don't know what the what I was thinking when I was ordering this, but I had not anticipated her sending me a large brown box. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> holy mackerel. So, again, you know, I had to. Had to sneak it into the. Uh, we had, you know, we would have had to explain where it came from, and I would assume she didn't. Did she write Carolyn's kids on the outside of it? Or anything? Yeah, I mean, she you know, she was a pro at this, so she yeah. Knew, but still, again, you know, you everybody want, wants to know what's in the box. What's in yeah, the box? So, yeah, so again, you know, I had to wait till I had to wait till my roommates were all out of the house to to sneak it into my room. But it was just really cool. What did you get that oh, first order? Well, like I say, uh, I got a bonnet. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a nice blue bonnet with a little white trim. Uh, I got uh, a blue pacifier. I got diapers. I got uh, a recorded tape, which was just mind-blowingly cool. And again, I can't remember what else. But again, it was just sort of, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't know that it was really that much more impressive than what you could find in a Halloween costume store these days. But at the time, for me, it was just like, holy mackerel, this is so amazing yeah so when would you be able to even use the stuff how would you hide it i mean i would have been scared my friends would find it well again you know i stuck it in the back of my closet you know so i mean they, they had to come into my room get into my closet go to the back of the closet and dig it out let's play this way we were we were college guys we weren't that interested right <laughs> so, you know I, I sure as hell wasn't going to their room in their closets they weren't coming into mine you know it's like you know as long as there was beer in the house, everybody was pretty happy. <laughs> so when would you steal away and have these moments where you got to put on the bonnet and, and have your, what you said it was a um, soother, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, it would be, you know, I'd wait till, cause you know, we all had different class schedules. So I'd wait mm -hmm. till, you know, everybody was out and then, you know, I would 
diaper myself up, even though it was less than perfect, it was the closest thing I'd come to it. Maybe, it. maybe, or at least, you yeah. know, since I was, you know, grabbing the diapers out of the nursery. This was really something special. And it was interesting because through there, I actually came in contact with a group called uh, DPF, which at the time stood for Diaper Pale Fraternity. I think they then later changed to Diaper Pale Friends. And it was, you know, I mean, they have, you know, uh, some little articles and everything else, but it was pretty much just what they would call like a contact magazine. Mm-hmm. The back pages were all listed with, you know, people who were also members. That really surprised me because, you know, I mean, it was one thing to think, you know, okay, I'm not the only one. But when you start seeing page after page after page of people, yeah. it was like really liberating. It's like, <laughs> okay, you know, yeah, okay, this is unusual, but it's not as freakish as I thought. There's right. hundreds of people doing this. Every- there was no internet at this point. No. There was no connection at all other than magazines and stuff. Yeah, and that was it. That's that was sort of my my intro into it. So let's so, go back to how you found yourself becoming attracted to baby girls. Because I mean, you don't have that. You start out as a boy. You even find looking at these articles and these advertisements for people for men who are changing into baby girls, and you're like, "Well, why would anyone do that?" How did that even come about? Well. <sighs> I would read these things and, you know, definitely initially I was very dismissive. But the more I read, you know, the more it just, it sort of pecked away a little bit. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, you know, I, I don't have anything against people that do it like that. But, you know, it's certainly not me. And then it was like, well, you know, I guess I could understand it. It's not a bad thing. And then it was kind of like, well, maybe ju- just for fun, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try. You know, certainly. So you when know, you say give it a try, what? what would be giving it a try? What would, is it just that you would change the narration in your head? No, actually, well, again, I decided, you know, well, (laughs) I went back to the same company, Carolyn's Kids. Again, I'd gotten this this blue pacifier, uh, very much like, again, you'd see on the the Halloween costumes today. Mm -hmm. But she also had it in pink. So I thought, all right, I'll get a pink pacifier, you know? Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll be fun, you know, what's the big deal? But I say, once I sort of allowed that, as you said, that narrative to get started, it connected with me in a way that I had never anticipated. It it felt more natural, more real. I was just going to say more real, like it just felt like you were connecting more than you were as the male infant. And that surprised the heck out of me because like yeah. I said, I really thought, you know, this was you as a baby boy. But once I sort of opened that door, it was just much more natural, more comfortable. Everything just seemed to fit better. So it resonated more. It did. And again, I I was shocked. I don't know why, but again, I always just assumed that these would be uh, homosexual males. And I was strictly heterosexual. I had no interest in other men. But again, it wasn't a sexual thing either. Again, it was, again, this desire to be nurtured and babied. And the more I looked into it, the baby I was, was a baby girl. I say that was, <laughs> that was quite the revelation. It would be. Yeah. 
So, uh, again, then things... So did it just start to snowball at that point where, okay, now all of these puzzle pieces are falling into place and it's feeling good. They were falling into place. And the more, you know, first, like I say, it started with a pacifier. That's mm -hmm. all. A pink pacifier. Yeah. Pacifier. And, then, and then, you know, the next thing you know is, well, you know, you know, maybe pick up this, maybe pick up that, you know, bonnets, uh, you know, I tell you, it just was more and more of my identity. I didn't. And again, at, at the time, you know, I didn't have a separate identity for who I was. It was sort of still in sort of the nascent stages. It was something that was definitely it was like an amalgamation. You were just all of this at once. There was well, no separation. It was just you having these feelings. Exactly. But the more I allowed myself to accept it, the better it felt the more natural it felt, the more I then developed wants and needs specifically associated with it. I, at one point, you know, a pink pacifier was enough. Finally, it was getting to the point where that wasn't going to do it. I needed the clothing. You know, I needed something to help me more fully realize being a baby girl. But again, at the same time, I mean, well, it was finances. Two, there wasn't the, the internet, so the availability of the stuff was almost impossible to come across. Uh, mm -hmm. Boy, you know, that would be so great. But, you know, it, you know, you know, maybe w living on Mars would be great too. I don't know. I had just about as much expectation of, of finding the stuff that I wanted as I did living on Mars. Mm -hmm. until, like I say, until the, the internet. And then that was just absolutely, I, I want to say just epic. You know, all of a sudden, you know, first off, I mean, I had a shot at seeing, you know, adult babies, almost exclusively women. And the thing was, is I'm sure a lot of guys would look at that and would envision, you know, oh, you know, she's so beautiful. For me, it was a different thing. I would look at these pictures and imagine myself being that woman, being in the diaper, in those poses. I mean, even, you know, to a point, even having breasts, it was just totally putting myself into that position. And that was amazing because I really felt connected at that point. And see, even before I found anything on the internet, the weirdest thing happened. And again, I, I, I'm thankful that it was one day I was driving through a part of town that, you know, normally wouldn't, wouldn't go through, but I had to. And as I'm driving by, it was just something that caught me on the corner of my eye. And I said, that couldn't possibly be. So I turned around and I pulled back, you know, did a U-turn, pulled back in front of this place. It was a sex shop mm -hmm. and it had a big front window. And in the front window was a mannequin wearing a baby dress. And it was like, oh, <laughs> the heavens open up. The choirs are singing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it's right in your neighborhood. No, no, actually, it was well, what kind of, <laughs> but it, it was there. It was honest to God there. And it was like, holy mackerel. Did you so, go in? No, no, I was too scared to go in. Oh, okay. But let's put it this way. I started driving by that place a lot. <laughs> and just to look at the dress? Oh, yeah. yeah. Just, you know, just so I could look, uh, you know, from my car. It wasn't, you know, wasn't going to be it. But finally, one day I said, you know what? There was a record shop right next door. Ooh. And they had 
like out this is back in the days when they had records yeah yeah <laughs> they, they had outdoor uh it was like used records but they had records sitting outside on a on like a table so i parked and i went over and again i'm sitting there thumbing through records not that you can care less about yeah <laughs> absolutely uh and all i'm doing is really like and i'm just sort of as much out of my peripheral vision as i can i'm just looking at this dress and the bonnet and it's just like oh you know it was pink satin it had the white lace it was done up and just wow you know a perfect baby cut you know mm -hmm. i'm not talking like you know a young girl or even i'm talking this was strictly little baby mm -hmm. and it was driving me crazy i mean i don't know how many times i flipped through records at that story they must have thought i was crazy i, I don't know what the hell the guy's looking for he's been through that, <laughs> that bin about a hundred times but finally i I did finally get up the gumption and I walked into, into the shop that had the dress. Mm -hmm. And of course there's somebody else in the store. So, you know, I want, I want to be inconspicuous. So I know I'm not even paying attention. I walk right over into the S and M section. I'm going, oh, <laughs> great. Yeah. This is, this is a lot, this is a lot less embarrassing. Uh, but, yeah. Lesser of many evils. Yeah, uh, but finally this other person leaves, and I'm trying to construct just the perfect story to tell this this girl behind the sales counter, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, how to maybe finesse it so that maybe I could get a look at the dress. So I walk up to her. I said, "Hey, you know, I, I see you guys got that uh, got that item in the in the window that that baby dress." She goes, "Yeah, you want to try it on?" <laughs> what did you do? Well, I can't, I mean, first off, I'm thinking, you know, well, there goes about 15 minutes of constructing a great story. Uh, I said, Your well, cover was blown before you even got to put it on. Yeah. So it was like, well, yeah, actually, you know, I, I, if you don't mind, she goes, no, no, hang on a second. So she jumps into the window. She pulls all the stuff off the mannequin and walks me into the back of the store where there's a changing room. She hands me this stuff and, you know, points to one of the rooms. So I go on in there. I take all my stuff off. No diapers, obviously, but still, it was a baby dress. And I put it on, and I pulled on the rumba panties, and I put on the bonnet, and I tied it underneath my chin, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm turning around, and oh, I just loved everything about it. So then I took all the stuff off, I put my clothes back on, I come back out, and she goes, why aren't you wearing the dress? You're kidding. Oh, my no. God. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I found somebody who's actually into this. So yeah. I, I mean, again, I practically bolted back into the dress room, got back in the outfit, come back out. Turns out she wasn't so much interested in adult babies, but she wanted to see how the thing actually fit on me. Yeah. So, you know, she's walking around and she's, you know, pinching here and pulling there and everything. And she goes, no, you know, this is just a little too small for you. I mean, her mother, turns out, had made the dress. Oh. So she went about taking all new measurements just in me. She even went down, she got some uh, blank paper and traced out my feet on the blank paper. She was going to have her mother make another one that would fit me. Wow. And was going to make booties to go with it. Oh, my <laughs> it's just, God. Yeah, it's just like, oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. This was perhaps the greatest thing that had ever happened to me. <laughs> yeah. I did that. And then now that I had a dress, obviously, I had to be more aggressive. So I went out and I bought the cloth diapers not the pre-folded ones the little ones but like the big ones that uh, weren't folded that you'd have to fold to fit a baby mm -hmm. 
and I took them to uh, a local seamstress and asked her to basically, you know, take like a dozen of these things and just sew them all together. Right. So now I had my diapers. I uh, went out and again, not, it was all just happening now. So I, I went out and I bought the, I bought the, a baby bottle and I bought some diaper pins and, you know, obviously got the powder and the oil and everything else. By the way, anybody listening, don't use powder and oil together. <laughs> no, it creates a paste. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not what you want, I promise you. So uh, one or the other, uh, or at least <laughs> isolate areas, but oh my God, no, don't use them together. It's horrible. But this was really sort of the most amazing thing. It took it to a whole new level. And now I say, when I put on the diapers and the dress and everything else, I honestly felt different. Mm -hmm. It wasn't an amalgam anymore. This was a totally different feeling, a different experience, a different way of experiencing things different than even you had done all the way up until this point. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And again, and that was surprising mm -hmm. because I just figured, you know, it'd just be more the same, but it wasn't. It really was what, you know, I mean, I, I felt free. I mean, again, you know, you giggle and you laugh at, at just the silliest little things, but I felt free to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't worried about, anything other than just being me, mm -hmm. being a baby, and most especially being a baby girl. And that, I would have to say, is probably the full realization, the first full realization of Chrissy. She has grown and developed and I don't want to say matured because that's certainly not no, the right word. No, it's you developed, I think, is a great word for it, it because it's basically she's growing as an infant she's growing as an individual personality now very much so as she has again uh, you know like i say that first dress still have it but now it's like one of oh god i have to have at least 10 you know i've got onesies <laughs> oh my god uh you know at least another half a dozen or more of those i've made my uh i've purchased what they call short alls which are like overalls that only come down mm -hmm. to like mid thigh Mm -hmm. uh, that have snaps in the crotch, uh, made by a company called Baby Pants. Actually, I've gotten a lot of stuff from them, uh, including the the cloth diapers I use these days. But again, you know, I took them, they were in denim blue, uh, you know, bleached them out and then dyed them. Uh, so I've got one pair in uh, pastel pink and one pair in sort of a, a baby yellow. And oh my God, it just, it's just, you know, it, it, people say, oh, you know, it's, it's not about fetishizing it. It's because... I, I really feel I need these things. They, they speak to me. They again, it, it's the way they look, the way they feel, they, and the way they make me feel. So and so, let's let's reiterate this again. This isn't. So now you've you've kind of morphed into this separate entity of this little baby girl, but this isn't a jerk session. This isn't you getting into diapers and jerking yourself. This isn't what this is, right? No, I mean, again, I, mean, I would have to say, not, I wouldn't say all the time, but I mean, a fair amount of the time, you know, it has nothing sexual as far as any of it. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, now there are times, I'm not going to say I don't enjoy uh, having an orgasm. Who doesn't? But at the same time, it's it's not the goal. It's not It's not really what makes it special to me. It's 
like I say, actually everything up to that point is what makes it special. Mm-hmm. It's releasing my control and letting her be exist. her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Letting her exist. Yes, exactly. Letting, it's letting her out. As it was, as I once heard it put, yeah, letting her drive. Yeah. <laughs> letting her be in control. And letting again, her out to play. That's yeah. really what you're doing is you're letting this infant exist and come out and play and be herself. And that's exactly the case. And it is, it is key for me to be able to do that. Again, uh, like any other person, you know, I have stresses in my life and some people do other things for it, but this really is the thing I do that most effectively removes or releases that stress for me. I find that I don't even always know how much stress I'm feeling. Most people means, don't. You, yeah. you can sit there and go, I'm not under stress, when in fact you actually are. Yeah. I never really realized how much stress I was under until after I am, you know, sort of had the chance to fully experience Chrissy. Then all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's like, wow, like that was like a ton just released off of me. Yeah. I feel lighter, you know. I'm breathing easier. My attitude's better. It's just like, you know, I didn't realize how under pressure I was mm-hmm. until it was gone. Which is absolutely what I want people to understand is you guys, instead of berating yourselves and instead of chastising yourselves all the time, thinking that the things that you enjoy are because they are of a sexual nature, therefore, it's bad. And that's just societal programming. As you can see, something like this is a wonderful balance. Because you just said, it's not like you're running out and playing around a golf. It's not like you're like, this is this is a release for you. This is your way of letting go. It's become more and more essential to me, the more I've allowed it to under my life. It doesn't dominate. Uh, still, again, it's just a part. But it's now something I realize is a very important part of my life. So I, you know, I, the guilt and, and the shame and all those kind of things, I don't know that I'm 100% rid of them, but it's certainly very negligible at this point. I, I'm very comfortable with the fact that I exist sort of in a duality. Uh, and part of it is being a baby girl. And I love Chrissy. I love how she makes me feel and how I feel after I am Chrissy. Mm-hmm. And again, that, I mean, that's partially due, though. I mean, it's not just self-realization. I've had women who, again, I've talked to on uh, phone sex lines, some of them so amazingly good, some of them really not understanding. So <laughs> that was also an experience. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of feel your way through that, too. Don't. But the thing was, is to be able to find people who will validate what you're experiencing, what you're feeling is so empowering. Again, mm-hmm. it really makes me feel anyways, better about being me when somebody else goes, yeah, that's no, you're not crazy. That's, that's who you are. I mean, it'd be crazy if you weren't trying to be who you are. Mm-hmm. So and that's you're absolutely right. I think it's harder when you try to repress this stuff. And as everyone knows, I know everyone who's listening will go, yep. Tried to walk away from it, but it always comes back and bites you in the ass. It's not going anywhere. You've got to learn to integrate this stuff and make it part of your life somehow. Now, that said, 
you are in a position where your family does not know about this. This is something that you have to hide from the rest of the world still, which in and of itself is kind of a shame because kind of it puts you in a position where again, you feel like what you're doing is wrong in some way because you have to hide it, which is a shame, but you got to do what you got to do. You and every other male, not just, I'm talking any fetish here, has those same feelings. I've got to hide this from my family because they're not going to understand it. And they probably wouldn't. Let's be honest. They probably wouldn't get it. They're not psychologists. They don't get it. They just look at it as, oh, dear God, he's a freak. So no, you're not about to expose yourself that way and humiliate yourself in that to that degree and watch everything blow up around you. So you have to compartmentalize this. Is that hard? Well, I, again, first, I, I'm going to correct one thing. I mean, yes, the vast majority of my family has no idea, as far as I know, has no idea about this. But before I got married, I did tell my wife uh, about it because I just felt I, I'm making a long-term commitment here and there was no way I was going to be able to not be, I, if I couldn't be honest about this, I just wasn't going to be able to make it work. Well, Chrissy, first of all, can I just say thank you for that? Oh, So many men are afraid to tell their spouses about this stuff. And I understand the fear, but in your case, which like you said, you're entering into a long-term relationship with someone, you, you owe it to them to at least let them know. They don't have to know the extent of it. They don't have, but at least let them know. Because to find something like that out 10, 15, 20 years down the road, that's a tough kick in the nuts. So I, I think that's a really good thing that you did. Whether she understood it or not, eh, you know. <laughs> well, the end result was, no, she didn't. I, I want to be totally fair and honest here. I mean, it's not that, that she went, ran screaming away, uh, but <laughs> well, she, didn't get, <laughs> she didn't get it. She wanted some time to think about it. I said, well, that's mm -hmm. only fair. So, yeah, okay. Then, you know, she made sort of a half-hearted attempt to try it. But, again, it was... She what, was to indulge you as, what, a mommy or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but she was clearly uncomfortable with the whole thing, and it just... It's not going to work. And it, no, and it made me feel, you know, yeah. awful. Yeah. So, <laughs> exactly, because it's like you're putting her through something that she's so uncomfortable doing, yeah. So, again, it just it never clicked, and... She loved me and wanted to get married. And I still love her. And, she, you know, I'm happily married. Uh, but again, this is just an area that does not work. It doesn't for compute me. for the two of you no. in that, in, in this realm. It just doesn't. No. And that's, but that's okay. And yeah. she's not, she doesn't come down on you, right? Uh, no, she does, actually. She, oh, she does? Yeah, well, again, she refers to it as that stupid shit. Uh, oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> Uh, judged much okay yeah, but, but again you know it's you know it, it's not like you know she, I, I still love her i still love being married to her but mm -hmm. yeah this is this is just not an area that is ever going to resolve no, yeah it's just not going to work no and that's okay yeah that's another thing that's okay yeah so basically i, I have sort of a don't ask don't tell policy going on <laughs> So, you know, I, I can engage in a, and I, I do it strictly when nobody's around. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but I, I have to, again, it's just, I, I. Chrissy needs her time to play. And how old is Chrissy? How old do you feel she is? Because she's an infant infant, right? Oh, well, again, she's, she's pre-toddler. I, I oh, picture yeah. her pre-toddler. Yeah, no, she definitely is. She's, uh, she's not she, like in your arms. 
She's no. about a year old because I can see her pulling herself up. And it and, and that's the strange thing is when you get to know someone and you get to know these personalities and these different parts of them, they do. And especially in the case of Chrissy, Chrissy becomes its own entity. And it's so, it, even when I'm talking to you, I picture Chrissy, I picture her around one where she's just starting to learn to walk. She is not talking, but she's babbling. So, you know, she can sit up, obviously, in a in a carriage. She can sit up in a stroller. She's not, you know, she can crawl. She can hold herself up if she hangs on to something. And, and it's, but you see how weird that is, that you never told me any of that, but that's just how I picture her. And that's kind of how she is, right? Well, that's exactly how she is. And again, I tell you the other thing that uh, when we were talking before, you know, I mean, you describe what your mental image is of Chrissy, and I would tell you it's exactly my mental image of Chrissy. It's, it's strange. It's just, it's just that's who she is. You can you can see it and you can feel it. And you know, and, and not 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 to make people think that you know we're we're putting them on. I've actually spoken with with other women who understand and get it and relate to Chrissy and see Chrissy, at least in their minds, as being who I am. Mm -hmm. And they all have pretty much the same mental image. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you've talked to um, Lilith. You've talked to Amelia Devine. You've talked to a lot of the ladies. And it's, it's, it is very interesting how everyone zeroes in on that time period. Nobody has you as a toddler running around. Nobody has you as an infant that you're carrying all the time. You are right there, right at about one year old. And it's fascinating to me how we all came up with the same age group. And again, the thing was, is nobody was, was told that. You know, I mean, I, I no. didn't tell myself that. It's just who I felt she was, how old she, I felt she was. Mm -hmm. And I never actually brought that up to anybody I ever spoke with. No, you never did with me. No. As a matter of fact, we only just recently sat down and kind of went, yeah, this is how I see her. Yeah. It was, you know, and, and we've been talking for a very long time. It, it To me, what I find interesting is a lot of people, because they fetishize it, it's just a part of who they are. Chrissy is a separate entity. She is a separate soul. And that soul needs to come out and play. And that's, that is the key. Because, I mean, if, you know, for whatever reason it may be, Honestly, I hate to use the term, but I, I get cranky. <laughs> exactly. Again, if I can't allow that to happen, I really do. I, I, I You're jump. unhappy because she's unhappy because she's not allowed that outlet. Yeah. So everybody gets cranky. She's cranky inside of you, which is going to make you cranky. And it's, this is what I mean about balance and why I want you guys to indulge your fetishes you know, provided they're not anything negative, because this is your way of balancing. You've got to be able to let these things out in order to be a happy, balanced person, right? You, you said it. If you go through these sessions, if you're able to just release, all of that pressure goes away. The pressure's gone. My mood lifts. I just feel happy. And again, even if I don't realize you know, and I, I might go in and think, well, you know, you know, I don't have to do this, but you know, hey, the opportunity—it's just afterwards I go, man, that was worse off than I thought. <laughs> yeah, you don't realize it. It's true. You don't realize it until you finally decompress, and especially in what we're living through right now, especially yeah. right now. 
When did, how did you name her? Like, where did Chrissy come from? Because it's not even close to your name. A lot of people go, oh, well, his name must be Chris. It's not even close to your name. So it's, it's like, how did it, how did she come to have that name? I don't know. I think maybe because uh, it, it rhymed with sissy. Uh, I, I mm. can't tell you 100% for sure. Uh, I would tell you when I first sort of explored being uh, a baby girl, I would always allow anybody uh, I interacted with to name me. Mm-hmm. Because I felt if you're my mommy, uh, then, you know, you've got to have the right to pick my name. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what mommies do. Right. Uh, so I, I think there were some other names. But I tell you, none of them really resonated as well as Chrissy did. And it, right now, it's just you know, who she is. I mean, you know, I wouldn't honestly allow anybody else to change my baby girl name again. Just, no, because that's her. She, yeah, that, yeah. Like, this is it. This is her. Yeah. To change her name now would be weird because it wouldn't feel right. Exactly. So, you know. It would that, be like suddenly changing your own name. Yeah. And like, oh, this feels weird. There isn't the response. You know, Chrissy is who she is. And mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't take that away from her. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of how, how the name came about. You know, I say a couple different iterations uh, from different people. But Chrissy's just the one that, that was the right one. And just, and, and let's put this out there too. You are a successful businessman. You are, you know, this isn't something where, because everybody gets the, these sort of ideas that anybody engaging in anything that is, you know, not normal is somehow seedy and we're all living gutters and we're all, <laughs> <laughs> and that's so not true. It's like the farthest thing from the truth. So no. it's not like you are, and, and as we said, you weren't abused. Nothing happened to you. This is how random these things can happen when your brain is developing. And you had no choice in any of this. And I'm quite sure there are times when you go, you know, it would be a lot easier if, it, if she wasn't there at all. You know, I would tell you, it used to be that way. Well, you've come to accept her really, really well. Well, it's it's not only accept her. I mean, I love her. She is so vital and st- so important and makes me feel better. So again, I mean, no, I, I, I would be devastated if she was ever removed at this point. You know, mm-hmm. you might as well hack off an arm. I, I, I could Because she's such out. an innate part of who you are. Exactly. Now, I will tell you, growing up though, yeah, sure. I mean, I would have had that uh, ripped out if I could have at, at an early age, because as I said, you know, the goal at that point was to be as chameleon as possible, to blend in, to be unobserved having my my baby desires was not in line with that but now oh my god i would be i'd be horrified if if that ever happened i couldn't live without her so now you have and we're gonna segue into something else that you've done (laughs) okay we now have you as an author And you have been writing short stories for Sissy Babies, bedtime stories, under the nom de plume of Christine Kringle. So tell us about that. Well, that actually, I mean, that was kind of an interesting. Uh, over the years, I have basically funded the makings of you know, videos or MP3s and stuff like that to sort of feed Chrissy. Right. 
So like uh, mommy kind of videos, things oh, where absolutely. she has a mommy. Yeah, absolutely. So again, that, and you know, I say the, the MP3 is just, you know, the audios and there was a woman who was doing them. And again, I don't have her permission, so I don't want to use her name, but she was making these things uh, on clips for sale. And, you know, she's, you know, it was going to be X number of dollars to make one, or it would be cheaper if you wrote your own, your own little story, your own little uh, script. So I said, well, I'll save a couple of bucks. So, you know, I wrote a script for her and she recorded it and she told me, she says, wow, that was really good. <laughs> I said, well, you know, again, you know, I'm stuck at home in the pandemic. I said, you know, if you want, I'll write you another one. She goes, well, yeah, that'd be great. So, you know, I started writing them for her and I must have done about a half a dozen. And again, you know, I didn't ask anything for him. I just, uh, you know, she was kind enough to, to send me, uh, you know, like a little residual off of them. But, uh, you know, I was writing them just to sort of write them. But as I started writing, they started becoming more and more intricate. She goes, you know, these aren't really what I do. What you're doing is you're, you're really, you're writing stories and they're good, but it's not what I record. So, you know, maybe you should look into into getting them published. And, you know, I hadn't considered that at all. But I said, well, you know, okay. Uh, you know, maybe I'll we'll look into it. You know, what, what could it hurt? So uh, I got in touch with a company, AB Discovery, down in uh, Australia, it turns out. And I get just the really nicest people, uh, Michael and uh, Rosie Bent. You know, I sent him just one of the stories that I had written. And I said, look, you know, I'm not a writer. You know, it's just something, you know, I did sort of almost on a lark. And I just wanted to see whether or not this was something worthwhile, if, if, if it was any benefit to continuing with it. Or if I should just accept the fact that, you know, no, nobody, nobody cares about this. Don't, right. don't contact us again. <laughs> and he was so cool about it. Uh, Michael, he said, no, this is actually good. You know, I said, it's not, we need more. It's, it's, you know, we don't do short stories. We do books, but, you know, you put together a couple of these, you know, you know because he had a, a word count that he wanted to get up to, which was close to like 55,000 words. And I said, well, you know, I could write more. He goes, well, why don't you try? He said, just, you know, give it, give it a shot. See what happens. So, you know, I sat down, you know, and an idea popped in my head. And then I, you know, sort of pounded out. And, you know, I'd send it along to him and then, uh, you know, pound out another one. And next thing you know, you know, I'm, I'm up to, a, you know, enough words that they could put out a book. That is so cool. And it really was. It was like, well, that's cool. The thing was, is I'd actually, I'd come in just under. So I had to do. And I said, well, you know, I could try to expand it, or maybe I'll just do a different story. He goes, well, okay. So I did want, so now I'm over. So they take one of the old, one of the stories that originally sent them out, and mm -hmm. now they've got the makings of the first book. But now I've already got a story out there that they've got hold of. He goes, well, you know, now we've already got another story. So maybe you try a second book. <laughs> I said, well, what the hell? Why not? So uh, I started pounding out more stories. I finished the second book, and I'm, in the process of writing a third. And again, it's, it's kind of funny because I really do enjoy it. I, you know, I, I could never make a living at it. I'm, but I, it's a fun release for me to be able to do it. And what I like about it is as you're reading the story, it's kind of the way it's, it's happening. Uh, Cause mm -hmm. I, I don't outline any of this stuff. It's, it's short story. So I don't feel I really have to. No, you're not uh, going into, you know, super depth. You don't need to, cause they're bedtime stories. Right. So I just, 
I just start riding and I just let it carry me along. It's like, you know, oh, we're going this way. It's like, oh, hey, I had look where you are now. And things just kind of work that way. And I find it fun. Although the thing was, is now he's on to me. He goes, look, your stories are good. But what you need to do is write a book. I said, well, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I did. I thought I just did too. What are you doing to me? I said, I'm on a third. I mean, but he thinks that uh, what I really should do is write a full length book, you know, a full 55,000 uh, word full book. story beginning yeah. and end novel. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And it's like, uh, okay. So again, I, I've started working on that. that that's going to take a while longer because, you know, I can't just let it meander. Like mm-hmm. I, my short stories. I, I figure if I'm going to do something of that length. And, well, now you're getting it more structured. And now we got to get into character development and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. And, and again, and I think and I've got to figure out a plot from the beginning to the end. I mean, there's always room to change it. But I, I think you've got to kind of lay it out. Flesh it out first. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, yeah, you know, go in and, and, and fill in all the, all the details. But you got to you got to assemble the bones first uh, mm-hmm. before you go at something like that, which again is, is different than, uh, than what you do with, the, or at least what I do with the short stories, which like I say, you know, it's it, for me, it's kind of like uh, my short stories. It's kind of like tossing a, a leaf on the river. You just kind of watch where it goes. It's like, Oh, look at that. That's kind of oh, for sure. And that's what makes them really good stories. Would you say that Christine Kringle is Chrissy? Uh, no, no, no. Chrissy is, Christy, like you say, is 12 months old, uh, and she has no awareness. She has no, I don't think she has any real awareness of me. She's just. She's just she, her. She's just a, a, a baby. End yeah. up, yeah. Yeah, and again, like I say, she's she's aware of her diapers and, you know, whatever she's sucking on her pacifier or bottle or her thumb. You know, that's what she's aware of. She's aware of her mommy. But again, that's. That's the extent of it. Now, again, the name Christine, uh, I did pick because because of Chrissy. I mean, I needed a nom de plume. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I was trying to figure out. But I thought, you know what? You know, I will go with Christine. Kringle just came because I was trying to come up with something that would go with Christine. And, again, I just like the alliteration. Christine Kringle. Yeah, it, it rolls really nicely off the tongue, but I just think it's funny because it makes it sound like the North Pole is incredibly kinky. <laughs> I haven't been there, have you? No. So who knows? It might be. It might be one giant nursery up there. Exactly. Think of all the elves. I mean, it works. <laughs> well, I guess they're they're building more than toys for Santa up there. There you go. So you can get your books where? You can get them on Amazon, right? Yeah, they're available on Amazon, uh, both as a Kindle and as a hard copy. I personally, just so everybody knows, I buy my own books. Uh, I've already bought uh, copies of the first two uh, two volumes just because, I mean, for it's me. A, I, mean, I think you should be proud. Honest to God, getting a book out is not an easy thing to do. It's not easy. And you should be very proud of it. And I am. And that's the reason, again, I mean, I like having, I like having the hard copies. I like being able to just sort of hold it and look at it and say, yeah. Look what you I did. did. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I it's mean, so it, cool. I mean, if I built a cabinet, I'd feel the same way about it. It's like, yes, I built that. You know, and this is kind of how I feel about my books is, you know, uh, I'm not going to put them out there as these are these great, important works of literature. Uh, <laughs> no. And, They're fun. They're meant to be fun. And that's it. And, and they it's mean an escapism route. Yeah. And they mean something to me. They really do. Mm-hmm. And I hope other people enjoy them. I really do. I mean, uh, I'd be sad if nobody else enjoyed them. You know, I write them because 
I have fun writing them. And like I say, you know, it's, it's kind of a little bit of an adventure. Uh, you know, like you go hiking through the woods, you're not quite sure what you're going to see on the trail or where the trail is going to go. And that's kind of how my books are or my stories are is, you know, I just kind of get on, on the trail and it's just like, Ooh, look at this. And Oh, Hey, how about that? And things just develop it, it all. Honestly, I try to make those stories feel as organic as I can. Again, the stories, like I, say, I try not to do it just, you know, it's all about just the baby and, oh, look at here, and everything is from the baby's point of view. I try to at least give the other characters in the stories some type of personality, some type of expression, so that mm-hmm. it seems more real than just, oh, here I am. Oh, she's named me baby. Oh, I, I've wet my diapers. Oh, she's changed me. Oh, is it? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, the stories are very, very good. I've read them. They're very good. I think you guys will really enjoy them. You can actually pick them up because I've got them on the website. It's on inbedwithdrsue.com. Just look for Dr. Sue's Erotic Book Club and you will find links to both of Christine's books. And definitely when you buy books, guys, especially with any kind of indie author such as Christine, make sure that you leave feedback. Let them know, let authors know what you like, what you don't like. I mean, don't be mean, but (laughs) constructive criticism, which you've had. You had a really good constructive feedback, a review for the second book that you did. And the beauty of that is your reader is telling you what they want. And that's that's wonderful. That's a great thing to do. And again, I want to tell you, uh, if the reader's even listening, but I would say I really did appreciate that because, you know, I, I think... Far too often, you know, people are afraid of hurting your feelings. I mean, I wouldn't want something mean. But again, yeah, if somebody says, you know what, this is, and this is what the the the, uh, the author of the uh, the critique said, he said they they like, you know, more descriptions of the clothing, uh, and I think maybe there was even more about the, uh, you know, the, the view baby's like, experience. Yeah, yeah, like more in depth baby ish. So. Yeah. And that's great. That Okay, so it doesn't mean you're going to get it in every single story, but at least you know, okay, now this particular person wants this in it. That's how you do it. And yeah. that's and I think every author wants to hear constructive criticism. Well, and again, that's, like I say, as I said, I'm working on a third book. Uh, and on that third book right now, I'm trying to be more cognizant of that. I'm trying mm-hmm. to get more descriptive into the outfits. I mean, again, you know, I, I always talked about the outfits, but again, the, the feel of them, what it feels what, like in them. And yeah. What it, yeah. 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 And again, I will tell you, you know, that I thought was an important thing because I'm assuming it was a, a guy, but again, I, I agree. I mean, I love the more the mental images. Now, again, when I'm writing it, I have a mental image, but I've got to then convey it into words. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to put that down so somebody else can pick it up. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 my feeling was, is, you know, you know, this is kind of what I would see the sissy wearing, but at the same time, you know, well, maybe somebody else has different tastes. Maybe they prefer something. Maybe I'd leave it a little more open so mm-hmm. that they can build their own image. At the same time, eh, you know, does it really hurt to to be a little bit more descriptive? And I don't think so. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, without writing something specifically that somebody's asking. No, for. no, because then you're pandering and it's going to come through and the then the work is just going to, it's going to, dissolve it's not going to work you can't do that it still has to be you writing this exactly it still has to have that that flow uh that that again i, I want to use the term honesty to it because mm-hmm. it, it 
these stories all feel honest to me. Now, again, no, I, I, none of this, I'm not recording somebody's actual experiences or anything else, but they are, I, I try to have things develop in a way that I feel would. It's genuine. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, 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 it's conceivable, you know, yeah. and, and because of it, it, it feels more real to me. And I think that makes the story more interesting. Well, I, you, it certainly comes across. I'll tell you that. I got to tell you, Chrissy, this has been absolutely enlightening. And I thank you very, very much for doing this. Thank you so much for opening up and sharing this with everybody, because this is not an easy thing to do. Well, no, but one, you asked, so I was never going to say no. <laughs> uh, and two, again, uh, I guess, you know, from my point of view, I, I don't know that my story is, is, is all that interesting. And I'm not going to say that it's typical or anything else. But it's honest, and, and this is how, how it worked for me. And if somebody's listening and gets a better understanding, as I say, as you brought up before, there is so much misunderstanding mm-hmm. about adult babies in the adult baby community. And I hate that because, you know, it's not who I am, and I don't think it's who the vast majority of people are mm-hmm. uh, who, who engage in this. But people are so threatened by the very notion of an adult who wants to wear diapers and be a baby. And again, all you have to do is look at any time it sort of hits the mainstream media. Again, I think every talk show host in the 90s did a did an episode. And again, it always came off as being very, I want to just say, very mean-spirited. Well, you know what? I always found CSI. CSI always, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I called them the fetish du jour. They yeah. would pick a fetish and throw it into their storylines. And it was never positive. Yeah. It was always showing everything in such a negative light. I mean, they did furries, they did ABDL, they they did all kinds of stuff. And it, yeah. it just made everyone look like freaks. And that is the perception that the, if you want to call it the vanilla public, looks at and goes, oh, well, that's obviously the way everybody does it. And that's not even close. It's the same as you say BDSM and everybody pictures whips, chains and leather. That isn't what it all is. So, but thank you so much for being so kind as to share your story with everybody. I have no doubt that it's going to resonate with listeners. And I really do appreciate you coming on the show. Well, it was my honor. Thank you. Chrissy wanted to know what my personal favorites were as far as the first bedtime storybook that came out. So I'm about to give you what I think are my three top stories in that book. You are going to love the haughty dominatrix and the unknowing sissy baby she ensnares in the first story, The Pickup Artist. And you know I love the naughty doctor who hypnotizes her subjects into being babies in experimental variations. And my third fave in the first book of bedtime stories, in keeping with my doctoral theme, my final pick is Therapeutic Doses, of course, where an equally naughty therapist hypnotizes her client to help him come to terms with who he really is inside, and enlists the help of his wife to help him on his journey. Hmm, I wonder why I like that one. <laughs> Don't forget, there are links to all of Christine's books, Bedtime Stories 1, 2, and 3, on the In Bed with Dr. Sue website, InBedWithDrSue.com. Just click on Dr. Sue's Erotic Book Club. 
I want to thank Sissy Baby Chrissy for sharing her story with us. Hopefully it helps you to understand yourself or someone else a little bit more. Be sure to pick up her bedtime stories. You will not be disappointed. And if you're looking for more sissy instruction, hit up Amelia Divine at thesissywhisperer.com or ameliadivine.com. And in case you missed it, there's an article on the review that has some women's heads exploding. My article, The Disintegration of Femdom, is about the deplorable and demented behavior being exhibited by so-called dominatrixes. Make note of who bitches about it, and you'll know who not to spend your money on. And don't forget to pick up your copy of A Cuckold Christmas Tale 2, my vixen version of Twas the Night Before Christmas, that picks up where last year's A Cuckold Christmas Tale leaves off. You can get them individually or as a two-pack, and it's available on the com. Be sure to sign up for my newsletter, as I said, which you can do on both thedrsuereview.com and inbedwithdrsue.com so you can stay in the loop with the latest from moi. So, Nuggets, until I bring the show back, be kind to one another, wear a fucking mask, stop believing everything you see, you're smarter than that, and more importantly, be happy. Thank you for listening. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.